Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Restinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. Be sure to please download the Veritas Catholic Network Radio Network mobile app, so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And uh, if you want to if you want to give some feedback, you could go to VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com, and there'll be a tab on there for you to tell us whether or not you love us, hate us, anywhere in between. Of course, any feedback would be valued. And uh, you can follow and support Joe and I on social media by visiting our website, which is TheFrontlineTV.com, TheFrontlineTV.com. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Priscilla Smith McCaffrey. And we are going to be discussing her book, Christmas Blossoms. And for those of you who do not know Priscilla, we're going to give a brief introduction. Uh, Priscilla Smith McCaffrey is one of nine daughters of John and Mary Smith, who did not live on Main Street, USA. Uh, (laughs) And there was one son. (laughs) So nine daughters, one son. Uh, She graduated from Thomas Aquinas College and later worked as research assistant to Father John Hardin, SJ, while studying sacred doctrine at St. John's University in New York. She taught in Catholic schools and was saved from law school when she married writer and publisher Roger McCaffrey and then homeschooled their four children. You can meet her at catholicmediaapostolate.com on two separate podcasts where she talks about subjects of interest to homeschoolers and Catholic seniors. Now, this is what Cardinal Joseph Zen, who served as the sixth bishop of Hong Kong, had to say about the book Christmas Blossoms. Quote, in this charming novel, we are reminded of the flavor of Christmas even during so difficult times like the ones of the Cultural Revolution in China. We have, low, uh, we have always to look at the Lord even when we are in deep trouble. He is our strength and our hope. Close quite Close quote, Priscilla Smith McCaffrey, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Well, thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. And it's going to be easy to uh, remember your names. You yeah, it's miss. pretty. You can't miss that one. No, Joe R, Joe P. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we get into uh, the conversation, Priscilla, we always start with a prayer. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we find to you a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us, amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, so before That's we favorite prayer, uh, oh, it's I pray constantly nine times. Mother <laughs> Teresa's uh, what's it called? Novena. I always really? do it. Oh, without a doubt, I pray actually. Day, you say it nine times. Well, no, I'll be honest with you. Before every interview, I I, I pray that nine times before oh. we come into the interviews. Always, okay. I always pray that. I need all the help Let's I can know. get, Priscilla. That's why. So. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, before we get into the book, I want to talk a little bit about John Hardin. I know a little bit about him myself. Uh, I knew a priest um, in New Jersey that basically came back to the priesthood. He left the seminary um, through his interaction with John Hardin. Um, for those who may not know who he is, he is a servant of God. He's an American-born Jesuit, um, most probably will become a canonized saint. I have his um, Catholic uh, dictionary at hand he published. Um, tell us a little bit about your interaction with him, because I know that you were his research assistant. I find that to be interesting. Well, it it was an honor to work with him. I It was just 
about a year and a half when I was in graduate school. And if you look at your Catholic dictionary and open it up, he has acknowledgments and I'm the last one. Oh, I love it. I will and, actually. And he, and he said to me, I'm, he said, now I put you as the last one. That's special. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, it was, it was very interesting to work for someone who was very driven and uh, very economical in all of his activities. Uh, he, um, it, it, his writing was, uh, he'd get it all, he, he would write definitions, you know, just from his head practically. And I, I, that's really hard to do. And, but he just had an economy of thought and a precision of thought. And so when you could talk to him, he would be, he was very direct and he would, he didn't have a lot of time. So he always went to the heart of the matter. And so I could see why anyone who, who spoke with him, like this young man who thinking about his vocation would have, if he spoke to Father Hardin, Father Hardin would clarify a lot for him and present you know, to him the main questions. And that's, that's very liberating when you can find a spiritual director like that. And I, he was not my spiritual director, but he, there was always spiritual direction that he did he couldn't help but give. And his advice was really excellent. And there were, you know, a couple of um, questions I had that he just, it, it was kind of, a, it was brilliant for um, the way he handled them. And so I'm no, I, I, I always that. quote him on the show. He, he said, in fact, I, I read also in one of my prayers uh, in the morning, he uh, has a prayer for American elections. And I always read the uh, John Hardin prayer for the elections in this country every day. Um, oh, that's so good. Uh, and and you, you forget that, uh, or one could forget that he was a man who wasn't just concerned about the church was concerned about people's lives and how you're going to live a good life. How can you live a good life if you're oppressed and you need to, um, you do need free elections. A lot of people want to separate those two things and you just can't. Good yeah, absolutely. I, I want that prayer, Joe. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I, it's a good one. I read it every day when I read my Magnificat. But uh, he also said this, and I quote it constantly. He said, Catholics need to know the truth, speak the truth, live the truth and also be willing to suffer for the truth. And I think that's spot on because I think a lot of times you have a lot of people out there doing a lot of talking, podcasting, social media on the Catholic uh, scene. Uh, to be honest with you, some of it's good. Some of it I could do without. Um, but to be truthful with you, uh, it's the, the suffer for the truth that people don't want to do. Uh, like really. And that not that's just not only on like you know, the social media situation, but also in Catholic lives. I mean, Christ suffered. I mean, he was a man of suffering. He wasn't accepted by his own. Um, yes. And to be Catholic, that's part of the program, to be honest with you. And I think people gloss over that. They think just because you're speaking the truth, people are going to accept it. No, absolutely not. Um, they could hear it. It could be said as clear as the day is long. But at the end of the day, many times people say, yeah, heard what you said and no. And guess what? You're not invited to the party. Uh, <laughs> and, and part of that is accepting that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? With a docile and loving heart. And, and I think of that often. And that's something he said. It resonated with me. Yeah, I, uh, a lot of people think that Christ was all about making your life happier. And his idea beatitude starts with a lot of suffering. <laughs> so uh, blessed are the mournful. Uh, 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 blessed are the hungry. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Um, so I mean, like, so, it, it, well, I, it, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know you guys. I mean, I, I heard a preacher a couple months ago say that he started believing in Jesus. And the next day he had a Rolex on his wrist and a Corvette in his driveway. And, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating. I mean, no, I know. I know. I, I, thought, I uh, hate Joyce Corvettes. <laughs> I thought I thought Joyce Meyer and Joel Olstein. I thought they redefined everything for us. Forget about that suffering stuff. You know, so you with know Christianity, what? there's a pot of gold. Well, let me segue into the bigger topic here with China. Yeah. I'm afraid of that prosperity gospel hitting China. Um, there are probably about 44 million Christians in China now, which is wonderful. About 12 million of them are Catholic. 
But what appeals to a lot of uh, the Chinese people is the, the sense of that cultural sense of uh, Christianity, where if you accept Christ, you will be prosperous. Mm. And, you know, you look at Cardinal Zen or you look at Cardinal Kung, and that is not the message. No, absolutely not. I mean, you could be. I mean, your life will bear fruit. But but at the same time, um, you know, to, to walk the true walk uh, that Jesus laid out, um, it's a narrow road. I mean, right. like, you know, I mean, Christianity raises all cultural boats in a society if it accepts it and so yes life is better it is easier right Less and, and oppressive. The, exactly and, and and the thing to convince people or, or to try to you know tell people is okay that you're right it lifts all boats but that doesn't negate the very real possibility of pain and suffering and 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 because we're all going to suffer in one way or another, I don't care who you are. I mean, that is the. I mean, that's. I think that's a proper Catholic view of things. We're all going to suffer in one way or another. It's how you deal with the suffering, and I think that's just that's just what sober Catholics um, are able to do. It's. I don't want it. You don't want it. Joe doesn't want it. But it's coming your way, whether you whether you want it or not. No matter how big your bank book is. Let's segue into um, into a couple things. Uh, Priscilla Smith McCaffrey joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe to discuss her book Christmas Blossoms. Um, let's add some historical uh, color to the conversation. So you have the Roman Catholic Church tossed out of China during the 1950s. Uh, replaced with the Chinese Catholic Patriotic Association. I'm sure, Priscilla, you're going to tell us exactly what that is. Uh, controlled, of course, by the Chinese Communist Party. So if you uh, don't mind, give our listeners um, a summary of, of, as you know, this power shift, how this, this power shift affected Chinese Catholics, um, as well as how the Chinese Communist Party views Catholics and the Catholic Church today. Well, that's that's a tall order, and I'm not uh, an expert on China, and but I can say a few things about it. Um, as you, the revolution ended in 1949, or probably didn't completely end. Uh, Mao Zedong took over. He had many campaigns thereafter until he died in 1976, and uh, these campaigns ended up. Um, persecuting a lot of people, and some were uh, directed at Christians. Um, that was uh, 1951, I think, the uh, uh, the papal consulate was th uh, uh, that they left. And, and then by 1953, a lot of the Christians were uh, persecuted. They had to go underground. <clears throat> um, one of the main uh cardinals there was uh car well he became cardinal in prison uh cardinal kung he he was the uh archbishop of uh shanghai and he was imprisoned for 33 years which is you know almost a mystical number uh so he was there from 53 to 88 and uh during that time uh the church it, it, it could surface here and there, and it wasn't officially recognized that uh, uh, pastors had to join the uh, uh, the Catholic Communist Party church, the CCP church. Um, and so uh, really ever since, you've, you've had times when there was more persecution and less persecution, and it's such a vast country that it would be here and there. Um, it wasn't consistent the whole time. But uh, nevertheless, I think there were about 5 million Catholics uh, at the time of the revolution, and there are now about 12 million. Uh, the Vatican has had an accord um, since 2018. It's, <laughs> it's a mysterious accord. We don't know the terms of it, um, but it seems that in the past four years, there has been more persecution of the church. Uh, you can go, you can go to mass there, but, um, and you will have, uh, 
priests who the Vatican will recognize as valid, validly and licitly ordained. So you can hear mass. One of the extraordinary things one observer makes is that they're less heretical in their theology mm -hmm. than perhaps churches in the West. This is maybe they're being protected, but nevertheless, they're, they have to many, they have to answer to the communist party. Um, the, I, I believe 18 year olds are not allowed to attend worship or to be schooled in religion. Uh, you may have a Bible, but it has to be printed at the, uh, the Chinese um, <laughs> Bible company. Um, so it's, it's a crazy time. So this is the backdrop basically for, for your book. Yeah. Yeah. So and even in my story that I give him it, it, during a time, I would say it's about 2015. That's the way I would place this story because I think it, uh, you were able, for instance, to go to mass without a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's, well, let's talk about the book is uh, Christmas blossoms and the, uh, the author is Priscilla Smith McCaffrey. She's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic radio network. Joe Resinello, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah. The main character Priscilla is a uh, Zhang Zhan. Um, you know, he's uh, an artist. He, he uh, is a master artist of interior glass. He paints it. How did you develop this character? And like in, in the backdrop, like during Christmas, just, you know, it, 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 it intrigues me. Well, there are a couple of ideas. Um, I've always found it fascinating that so much of our Christmas stuff, religious and secular comes out of China. And so I think, what are they, how do they make sense out of Christmas when there's Rudolph and uh, the baby in the manger and, and the humble uh, parents and the sheep and the shepherds and kings? What sense are they making of all the pieces of our Christmas? And I, I, I wonder, is that a little way God is evangelizing the people? And in fact, they do celebrate a secular Christmas. So when it comes around, they 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 will decorate. Hotels will decorate, um, and uh, major streets will decorate in Beijing. So, you know, to me, that's a foot in the door. Someone says, "Well, what what is it? Oh, it's Christmas. Oh, well, that's that Western holiday. Um, it's when their God was born or something." So, let them at least begin to ask questions. I'm glad for that. Okay, so there's that fascination. And um, the other thing, I many years ago, I gave my daughter a, a Christmas present. It was a painted ornament and it was painted inside. And um, it wasn't uh, that expensive, but um, I looked at it and I thought that really is beautiful. It, it, was, it was some artist had taken some time to paint inside uh, an ornament. So you have, so I investigated that to see how that's done. And I saw that it was an ancient, it goes back, it's an ancient Chinese craft. And you, they take uh, vessels, whether they're snuff bottles or uh, glass balls, and they have a special uh, paintbrush that they do this very intricate image. So you can look, you can Google it sometime, just um, uh, interior glass painting in Chinese, and you will be fascinated by it. Uh, so um, I decided that I'd have to have, it, it would be nice to have a character who really understood Christmas and, and he was someone present in a factory. So how would he really know Christmas? Well, he'd have to be born in about 1940. And, um, and then the revolution came at, in 1949. So he would have been just a child. He would have had a child's memory of all the loveliness of Christmas. And that's what he would have brought into his art when he worked in later years in the factory. So it's something that entertained me. I, uh... No, it's <laughs> great. I, mean, I think it's painting. beautiful. Yeah, talk about pain and suffering. Imagine a nine-year-old enjoying all that about, you know, everything about Christmas. And then 1949 comes and then that gets wrecked, which I'm sure is, is exactly what you go into uh, in the novel, which is Christmas Blossoms. And the author is Priscilla Smith McCaffrey. Uh, um, 
I was going to say, I just want to expand on, on that a little bit. You know, you, you said, uh, obviously, very rightly, that he experienced, Jean experienced Christmas before the communist um, revolution. But I think you're touching on something that we all can relate to. And I think this is why this book has been successful, is Christmas as a child. Is this like one of the themes that you wanted to touch the reader with? Because, I mean, yeah. we all have, I mean, I can remember Christmas as a child distinctly. I mean, what we ate, uh, I could remember coming into the seeing the tree, some of the times opening up various gifts. Um, It's a special time. And I mean, I think this is very relatable, uh, not just for people who are interested in China, um, but also everybody who knows Christmas in America. Yeah, I I think that uh, innocence plays a big part in why we love Christmas, because we're reminded of our own innocence. Not that we're uh, thinking about it philosophically. It's it's just an it's an emotion. It's it's something that we tie with our childhood, and it has to do with. Um, thank God for a lot of us. It has to do with uh, security and happiness, and. Um, and so that's all wrapped up, not just with our homes, but with going to church and seeing the stable and seeing this, the little Christ child. And there are his parents right next to him. So it's this big lesson that a child has that he, he feels. It's, um, and even before he can articulate it, he has a feeling about Christmas and it has it's very wrapped up in his own innocence um and so i my character i think by the end of his life he's he's so detached from everything he is like a child again and so when he uh, paints his last ornament he paints a child giving his heart to christ and you know if that's if that's the feeling um or the spiritual disposition we can have at the end of our lives that's that's all we need i, I would I, agree I, I couldn't help but think about it i mean that's that's what jesus said he, that's what he meant when, when he said you know unless you become like these little ones you will not enter the kingdom of heaven well what does that mean or to become a to become a child but obviously it's that dependence on god Right, that, right. That, 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 the, the same way when you're nine years old as Jean is in the book Christmas Blossoms, you know, when you're nine years old, how you're dependent on your on your loving parents, on your on your mother and your father to have that disposition. And I think the key word there is, and it, it harkens back to what we started the conversation with, or one of the things we said, detachment. Detachment yes. from the material. Detachment. That that material things are good. They're gifts from God, but you have to have that level of detachment from them. The rich man had the rich Catholic has to be resi- has to resign himself to the fact that God may take away his wealth like that and say, according to your will, Lord. According right. to your will. That's that deti- <laughs> detachment. I, I, I'm sorry to go on, Priscilla, but middle class that can say that has, has to say that too. What's that? <laughs> The middle class has to say that too. Well, exactly. Like you said, we hope the prosperity <laughs> gospel doesn't take too much root in, in China. Joe Resinello, where are we headed? No, I, I was going to say, I've been to Asia. Um, I've been to Mass in Vietnam. There's definitely a Catholic uh, vein going through that country. I've been to Mass in Cambodia. I've been to Mass in India. Um, and I often wonder, because Vietnam is a communist country, Um and I have seen the people there devout. I would see in the countryside statues of the Blessed Mother um, throughout the countryside in Vietnam. Um, So, I mean, just on the surface, you know, God is everywhere. I mean, it can't be squashed by a government. And I've seen that firsthand. I mean, uh, you know, without a question. And I'm sure people who have i've never been to china but i'm sure if you were to go to mass there you would see that fervor you said that they're faithful i think sometimes you know in the west because we're not persecuted and our lives are so comfortable we don't understand that uh sometimes i think it's good that you have to fight for your faith a little bit um because it keeps you focused then you have to enjoy the times we're living in Oh, fair enough. I mean, it's getting so uh, where you have to. I mean, I mean, as we all know, 
the culture is definitely turning from God to the point where you can't even express certain beliefs of your Catholic faith, particularly, if, I, I say this to a gentleman I, I work with, I work in banking, and uh, I sit next to a gentleman, um, you know, he, he, he's a Christian, I, I don't know if he's Catholic or not, uh, but his kids all go to Catholic college. And uh, you can't express in our workplace that you just believe in traditional marriage. Like if you said that with sincerity, not trying to be mean, but just say marriage is between a man and a woman, that's a pervasive Catholic thought. I mean, that's not a revolutionary statement. Um, You will be in trouble. You may get fired. Yeah, I I'm I'm sorry that you have to suffer with that. A lot of people do. I'm not confronted. I, I can say whatever I want to the four walls in my home or to my kids. Uh, well, we have to take back, um, we have to take back the, the conversation. There were, the other side has taken our words and is giving them, and they are giving them new meanings. And this is wrong. This is, um, there's, you know, marriage means, means something. If they want to call, if there's some kind of an arrangement other than a man and a woman let's not call it marriage why do we have to call it marriage it's not marriage it is we're we're fighting over words and that's not superficial because the words reveal the truth and if they have the the vocabulary and they're twisting the meaning then we can't have a conversation anymore do you think well your 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 book your your character jean um is obviously you know, we're talking about the fact that you know, the, the story takes place in China. Okay. Is, is that not what you just said, Priscilla uh, Smith McCaffrey, is that not what the communists do? Language is one of their first goals. Yes. The, the, the redefinition of words, the abolition of words. This is not, this is not just quoting or, 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 or alluding to George Orwell. This is in reality. This is what the Chinese Communist Party's done. This is what the communists in the Soviet Union did in the Eastern Bloc. This is what the communists in America are doing. Exactly yeah. what you said. I can't say Merry Christmas. And I don't blame them because how do you blame a scorpion for stinging? That's what a scorpion does. I blame yeah. us. You said... We need to reclaim this. Right. That's right. We need to say Merry Christmas. <laughs> but, but just in general, like you said about just, just our Catholic faith to say, no, 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 no. The, what you're doing is new and novel and whatever you want to call it. No, no. We are reclaiming this ground. Talk about, I mean, we have a couple of minutes before the break, then we're going to go jump back into the book. Um, talk about that a little bit. The idea to be not on the defense, we need to be on the offense. We're soldiers of Jesus Christ. All right, and his, and his Catholic Church. Talk about that a little, Priscilla. Well, don't you love that Christ is the truth? He is the word of God. So if you want to subvert Christianity, you attack the truth and the word, but you don't say that you're attacking it. You just take the you just take truth, so-called truth, you take words and you and you just tweak them a little. And it's it's it is diabolical and it goes back to um the the original temptation where uh the father of lies he's tweaking something he did he he told eve something true you will have uh, the knowledge of, of you will be like god and in some ways uh we have we she she did in in a, in a way, become like God in the sense of knowing good and evil, but her way of knowing it was not God's way of knowing it. She experienced evil and from her will. So it's 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 the father of lies at work, um, subverting our whole sense of what nature is. And if we don't have a sense of nature or what's natural to man, then we cannot build a society. We can only have it imposed on us, which is the whole game plan of your tyrants and of your communist tyrants. They want to impose something, so they're constantly telling us there's no such thing as nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so before we go to a break, where where can uh, where can our audience uh, buy the book? Well, certainly Christmas blossoms at Sophia Press. Um, 
So let's just leave it at that. Let's not let, give the other guy his. Fair enough. His I love your style. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. no, I, I absolutely love it. Priscilla Smith McCaffrey joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're talking about her book, Christmas Blossoms, um, on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. We're going to jump back into the book right after the break. Don't go anywhere. Come right back. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are way in the breach, and we are talking with Priscilla Smith McCaffrey. We're discussing her book, Christmas Blossoms, which again is available on Sophia Institute Press. No need to know anywhere else it might be sold. Okay, I think you know where we're going with that. Just go on Sophia <laughs> Institute Press. We need to support our Catholic authors. We need to support our Catholic publishers. Okay, one of which is Sophia Institute Press. We emphasize. You. We know you could buy it somewhere else whose name we will not mention. We don't want you to. We want you to support <laughs> Sophia Institute Press. And with that, I'm going to hand it uh, over to Joe Resinello. We're going to jump back into the book, Christmas Blossoms. Um, Priscilla, in, in the book itself, uh, Jean, as we said, is the main character. Um, after the communists take over uh, you know, power in the country, he has a difficult life, and you break that down very well. Um, throughout his life, he carries a tiny replica of the Christ child, um, which aids him in many of his struggles. Could you speak to that aspect of the book uh, for our listeners? Yes. Uh, it's something I love about our faith that we have sacramentals. And these are things very often that we hold on to. And it's very human, I think, to want to hold on to something that links us to something else. And uh, the the, all the sacramentals that you and I have or wear or uh, put on our dresser, they remind us of God, or perhaps they remind us of some aspect of the divinity, or they remind us of a particular saint. And so we feel strengthened when we're reminded of the cloud of witnesses around us, that we live with a cloud of witnesses. And so if we have um, a, a miraculous medal or a medal to St. Christopher, we, we're asking Our Lady, St. Christopher to watch over us. And we, it doesn't even have to be um, an articulate, articulated prayer. It's a prayer in and of itself. It's a witness to, to them. And so the idea of holding on to the little Christ child, for me, that Jean, uh, for him, I think that it reminds him of his family. It reminds him of Christ. It reminds him of innocence and security and goodness. And it reminds him of the... Um, everything, the passion of his family and um, the original security and happiness of his family. Um, so I, that makes sense to me that he would carry that around in his pocket. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. I mean, it really is, especially because like he experienced this so young, but it, it, it made a, a lasting mark on him. Sometimes we disregard that, like with children, things you remember. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, being a dad, I, I think about that uh, in a good way and in a bad way. Things that you impart to your children will stick with them. Um, you know, things sometimes you don't even realize. Absolutely. Right. You know, and that's important to yeah. be honest with you. I mean, I think of like my own family, like my, my wife and I, we pray the rosary now, you know, maybe that like you see sometimes memes on Facebook where uh, the family, everyone has, the, the man has a tie on, the, the, the mom has pearls on, and everyone's on their knees praying the rosary at It doesn't at look that way in your not, house? Well, not in mine. So, I mean. <laughs> What's but, wrong with you? <laughs> I guess. I'm a strange one. But, but my point is, you know, it's still something. It's almost like you learn through osmosis. It gets through 
a kid, they'll remember that. Um, my parents always prayed the rosary. You know, they come in for a decade. Sometimes they misbehave, oh, tell them to yeah. leave. You know, it's things like that that could sustain a person if they ever get off that road or right. as John struggled. I mean, his life was not easy. Um, right. And that's like, they, there's a saying, the seeds of baptism are always being sown. And it's little things like that, like, you know, replica of the Christ child that sustained John. Um, well, I, I think that's also one of the, the whole sacramental world is one of the wonders of Christmas for a child. Uh, I had, I was watching one of my grandchildren and he was crawling around the Christmas tree doing the Marine crawl. And he uh, would stop and he'd reach his little fist into the water in the Christmas tree stand. And then he'd bless himself in that baby way. <laughs> and I thought, oh, he thinks that's like a holy water font. And so his father had introduced him to hold the holy water fountain, had always dipped his hand in. And so it was like a revelation. All these, all these little things at Christmas time all refer to something holy. Now, a, a, a little 18-month-old can't articulate that, but it is already in his experience that this world of Christmas is related to the things of church. So he knows that's a different place. So there's something he's experiencing the mystical even in his infancy. And so we can never wait to introduce our children to, to uh, the things of the church. You know, it's just wonderful to do it from infancy, pray with them. Um, dress them appropriately for mass so that they know that church is something different. And then um, I also realized that, um, you know, we, we all have a different feeling at Christmas time about stuff, about glitter and all the lights. And it makes us usually makes us feel kind of happy. And I think it's because it really is referencing something holy. And that's why I'm okay with stuff at Christmas time, you know, uh, maybe not overdone, maybe not too vulgar, but um, having all these things that really reference a, ho a holy mystical day in our lives. Yeah, I'm okay with sacramentals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're in the breach with Priscilla Smith-McCaffrey. We're discussing her book, Christmas Blossoms, uh, available at Sophia Institute Press. Joe Racinello, I'm going to hand it back over to you. And also, John, in the book, he shares with his co-workers his experience of Christmas because he was raised by Catholics. I mean, I, I, I like that um, that you added that to the book because that's what we're all supposed to do. I mean, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I, I think, Americans, especially people who have some gifts, we feel like we have to do big things. Um, to be honest with you, many times that doesn't happen. It's little <laughs> things, simple things that you impart to people that that you leave a mark on humanity. And that is something that means something to Christ to God. Um, the world doesn't measure things in that way. Uh, and you're kind of blowing that idea out a little bit that he's sharing his experience with his coworkers. Talk a little bit about that, you know, and, and, you know, about his Christmas experience, because to be honest with you, I mean, again, I've been to Asia, you know, take Cambodia, for instance, it's a Buddhist country. I mean, it would be like someone who's a Buddhist telling me about like, a, you know, a reference to a holiday. I don't know about that, you know, so, you know, it's a new experience being communicated. Uh, talk about that aspect of the book. Well, I was entertained by the idea of a Christian being um, permitted, even encouraged to talk about his experience so that the factory could do better work and make more money. So, isn't that, wouldn't that be a nice position to be in for a Christian working in China? Uh, someone says, well, tell me about this. I mean, how can I paint this picture with any authenticity if I don't know what, what the meaning is? And so my, my little character, I, sometimes uh, he, he can speak more um, um, in, in, in a more correct fashion. Other times he, he 
couches what he says and frames it as the great myth of the Western world, because everybody knows that they, everybody in the, in China knows that they're making trinkets for, for, uh, sale in Greece or in Rome, and their uh, trinkets that have to do with the great mythologies of the West. And uh, so perhaps he, he, you know, that's just fine. The, the, the modern West has their own uh, mythology. And so he'll speak about that. And sometimes he can say, speak of it as, as you and I would, but sometimes he he it what he experiences the need to temper what he says is what I believe, but and 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 says this is what they believe. Um, so that had to happen, I'm sure, many times um, in the past uh, what 50, 60, 70 years, mm -hmm. where Christians could only talk about what. The church stands for what is believed, and it's just another step to say this is what I believe. Yeah, yeah, you you do. Um, one would take away from from your main character is that you could you could Jean again, uh, and the book is Christmas Blossoms. You can live with hope, even in the most dire of situations. Um, which which obviously you talk about carrying a relic of, of Jesus. You know, our, our belief is it, it, we, it's a theological hope is a theological virtue, not just like I hope to win the lottery. No, no, no. It goes way, you know, well beyond that. Um, you can live with hope even in the most dire of situations. Now, um, and I think nowadays, and one of the things that Joe and I hammer on the show all the time is forget about communist china for a second even in the west in the prosperous west we're, a, we're hopeless it's, it's like why i mean like it's the fear over a bug over the last two years uh, yeah i mean if you want to see the definite textbook definition of hopelessness and joe and i say on the show all the time is because you you don't you're not putting your hope where it's supposed to be in christ Okay, and you're looking to the world, and because you think your world might end, your hope goes out the window because it's displaced or misplaced. Well, well, John, car your character carries around a, a replica of Jesus, and the whole point is that he can live with that hope in in these the most dire of circumstances. You want to talk about imminent death? Go live in China and be a <laughs> and, and be a Christian or a Uyghur. Okay, so just so we know, we're not excluding, or you know, the Muslims who are in cages over there. Okay, that's hopelessness. Yet John has hope. Talk about that, Priscilla. Well, he is at the end of his life. He he is he's not expecting any change in his life. So he's not expecting anything lucky to happen. He's not expecting anything um, material to happen. But he has joy, and that. The joy is because of the hope he has in in Christ, who has redeemed him, and uh, to whom he he has committed himself, and he expects he expects to see Christ at the end of his death, uh, at the end of his life. That's his hope, um, and I I think it must be very difficult for the, uh, the Chinese now who have kind of risen out of survival, just survival mode. And now they are becoming um, better off materially. And, you know, there are whole generations now who have been disconnected with anything uh, resembling faith. And it, there's going to be a huge vacuum when they have time now, you know, to think about life. What is my life all about? And that's the question that leads any civilization um, to answer or to to philosophy and then perhaps to theology. Well, rem I mean, remember, I'm going to hand it back over to Joe, but I'm going to hand it back over to Joe, but remember something. See, that's one of the dangers of having all this stuff. When, you know, like I think George Carlin used to say, we have all this stuff, okay? Same thing with China. I couldn't help but think. If you have that prosperity or the 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 uh, the the illusion of prosperity, okay, uh, you maybe ha actually have some material possessions, but now you have time to think, okay. The CCP they make sure you have enough stuff 
So you're distracted from philosophy and heaven forbid thinking about the existence of God or what my life is all about because now you're opening up the door to God. And when you do, well, that's not what, communists don't like that too much. So they make sure you have all that stuff that's there to distract you. Um, and obviously your character, Jean, it, it, you know, rises above that idea because this is what he thinks about. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm struck by the image of carrying the, the replica of, of, of Jesus. You know, we have to get rid of the stuff and just keep, keep Jesus. <laughs> A couple of comments on that, Priscilla, then I'm going to hand it back over to Joe. Well, um, I think even Xi Jinping um, understands that his people need more than um, fulfilling production uh, goals. And he is talking now about um, the great Chinese tradition. Now, during the Cultural Revolution, they were punishing people for having anything to do with anything from the West. Um, they saw it as subversive, but they also saw their own tradition as subversive. So uh, under Mao Zedong, there was a great effort to detach themselves from anything um, cultural uh, in their past. Um, but now, they're rehabilitating some of their philosophers. The statesmen are quoting Confucius, uh, and they're, you know, and they have many other philosophers too. So um, that's that's happening. And supposedly they have freedom of religion in their constitution, but it's um, it has to be. You're free to be a con, you know, be under the communists, but to have your religion. So I was going to say, free freedom of religion, which which ain't altogether free. No. <laughs> Priscilla Smith McCaffrey joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Priscilla, Joe Rosanello in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, and we're discussing Christmas blossoms. Uh, Priscilla Smith McCaffrey's book, uh, which is available on Sophia Institute Press. Uh, Joe Rosanello. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit that of this theme of hope because hope is powerful. I mean, John goes through a lot in your book, um, and he has hope. Uh, I, I think of the book Man's Search for Meeting with Viktor Frankl, and I read that as a young man. And one of the things that I came away from after reading it was Viktor Frankl said, if you had purpose in the concentration camp, you would survive. And those who didn't wouldn't. Um, you know, that is true in life. When one has hope, you can endure things that one might say it are impossible to endure. I mean, you mentioned earlier on the in the other segment, the old archbishop from uh, Shanghai was in prison for 33 years. I mean, that's no small matter. <laughs> I mean, yeah. only with hope can you do that. And I mean, I think this is an important theme for all people. Um, hope is powerful. I mean, more so than people realize. And as Joe said, people are hopeless these days. Many people who are very comfortable are hopeless. Uh, talk a little bit about this, this virtue of hope a little more, because I think it's, it's, it can't be underestimated. Yeah, I, I think it's the virtue most related to joy. Um, and, you know, when I think of you two, talking about the is many issues. You wouldn't be doing this if you didn't have some hope that there was um, not necessarily that you would change things, but that your message when received by people will lift their spirits. And maybe not a lot of people, uh, or not maybe not everyone, but it, certainly many people. Mm -hmm. um, you give people a message of hope, it lifts their spirits and it, it, and it helps them to endure. And, but our hope is in, it's, it's in Christ and Christ's truth. And uh, finally, it's in, in the message of Christ that if we follow him, we are his friends and we will be received into the kingdom of God. That's what our hope is. 
let's that's, let's that's stay it. let's stay on friends for a second in the book christmas blossoms um jean rediscovers his catholic faith well wait before before we get to that here was my question um his one of his friends senses this hope that you're talking about yeah and i think it's important because you just you hit on it a little bit I, i'm not gonna lie to you priscilla you know when joe and i started this i i looked at him and said we're gonna change the world no we ain't <laughs> no, no. okay you change it. it you change right. it no it's no not the I, whole I, world. but it, but but it, 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 it exactly exactly and that's why i'm asking you this question because what we are trying to do however I would love nothing more than to overthrow the Chinese Communist Party uh, to to do a lot of different things, okay, in the world that I see as unjust, okay? That's obviously not how God is using Joe and I. Um, but I would say this, your, your character, John, plants that seed, I think you alluded to it earlier, with his friend, and his friend wants that hope. <clears throat> and what John does is, John just may, doesn't isn't going to change the world, but he changed the world for his friend because right. he introduced him to that theological virtue of hope, which is an introduction to Jesus Christ. Um, and I talk about the need for us to humble ourselves and remember our job is to plant those seeds. You know, even in the dire circumstances, even in the Chinese Communist Party, even in consumerist America, okay, we plant those seeds wherever we go. Talk about the need to plant seeds for other people. Um, well, I think we need to be cheerful. And that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't mean um, silly. Uh, I, <laughs> for some of us, it's just dark humor. And, you know, because it is, uh, we're, we're living in very, it is difficult. It's difficult to, um, to accept that uh, people will, they won't even accept their own male or female nature. This is, uh, you know, the, the clearest example of a change in language and an abuse of language, which to me leads to an abuse of power. They're changing what it is to be a man and a woman. And uh, so this is this is very oppressive. I, you feel like you're living in um, Alice in Wonderland and uh, where you can't speak clearly about things. So we do, <clears throat> excuse me, in our, um, in our smaller exchanges with one another, we, we do have to address these things, but we also, I hope, I hope, can show some joy in our in our faith. I'm not confused about these things, about man's nature and woman's nature, and I have joy in that. And that's what you know. So many of these young people are are missing who think they're supposed to figure it out in their head what they are, instead of looking at themselves. And if if someone could just come along and say take joy in what you have been given and try to understand that and um, and have hope that things will work out for you when you live according to your nature. Um, so there's just, there's, even though our hope is directed to the end, to the end of our, to our final end, we can't live without hope during life. And that's, um, and so I feel sorry for people who can't um, kind of absorb that as as a good. But then as Christians, we have to at least show that sense of hope. And you know, my poor my little character, Jean, he's he's not that articulate. He he's just uh, nor am I, Priscilla, just, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling here, believe me. Um, he's but he shows by his life that he's he's happy he's content that contentment comes through and um his uh friend wants that he wants that same thing um i, I think that's I, what that, that's what joe resinello always talks about on the show is that like that's that's what we need to do that's part of being that leaven 
is that we show, not tell. I mean, we all have to talk. Again, we're talking to a couple of Italians from New Jersey. We do a lot of talking, all right? And and it's important. It's important. All right, you, you mentioned yeah. words, the assault on language. No, 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 we're going to use words. But but those out there who look at our lives, okay, they have to see, yeah, that's right. It, it hurts sometimes to wake up after four hours sleep and have to do an interview on, uh, you know, or it hurts to have to get up and go to work and raise five kids because you have to go out and earn a living. It's not easy. You wake up, you do it day after day. Um, but they see, okay, my back hurts this night. But it got, they see that smile on your face, number one. Number two, that m- most importantly, that people can sense the joy that's in your heart, even they, if they, you're not smiling. They They can't they can sense it and very often they resent it that's what is 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 shocking to me sometimes mm-hmm. and i even talked to a priest once who was so mad at me for being assured of my faith he was mad at me because i had assurance in my faith i'm not saying a presumption that i was saved right. just an assurance that my faith was true mm. and I was shocked that he would say this to me, but then I realized this is, it's, it's a new uh, mode of faith expression for some people that you never have certainty. And if you claim to have certainty, the certainty of faith, then you are arrogant. And, uh, and I, I thought- You're, well, you're I- exclusionary. I'm exclusionary. You're exclusionary. People who, yeah, I'm not excluded. Everybody has difficulties. Right. But it was it was shocking to me, and then I realized uh, there are people who are jealous and angry that you have any assurance. And I'm not. I'm 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 a normal Catholic. I don't talk about how I'm saved and all that. Well, and, and, and that thing, and the other theological virtue is faith. And yes, it, yes, we are assured in our faith, okay? We embrace the fullness of the truth. We only have um, a few minutes left, so I want to hand it back over to Joe Priscilla Smith-McCaffrey, joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, discussing her book, um, Christmas Blossoms, available at Sophia Institute Press. Let me say it one more time, Sophia Institute Press. Joe Racinello, we probably have time for one more question. So make it a good one. Oh, this is, I think this is the crux of it all. Jean rediscovers his Catholic faith um, through the sacraments. And the sacraments are what make us Catholic. You know, I mentioned in the other break, like some social media, Catholic social media, I don't care for. People argue over things, if you ask me, that are not, while they're important, they're missing the key. And the key is the sacraments. The church gives us the medicine for our own salvation. It's the sacraments. That's why I'm Catholic. And Jean rediscovers that. And that's what I think the world needs to discover. They haven't figured out that Christ came because we needed medicine. We're all broken. And it's the sacraments that elevate our nature and allow us to have hope and allow us to live according to the teachings of Christ. And John discovers that. And I think that's an important message for people. Absolutely. And, but, but also he finds such peace in the sacraments. That's his, it, it, the sacraments for him take him totally out of his normal life. They are his encounter with the divine but they are also very physical. He goes into a church that's beautifully decorated and it brings him back to his youth. And um, so the sacraments are not just um, something, uh, it's not an intellectual thing. We have them in um, incarnated with um, bread and wine and water and, um, so he needs these things and his memories would not have been so acute had he not been to a beautiful church with his family, um, and had not been properly educated as to what the blessed sacrament was. Mm. 
Well, you so know, I, 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 I can't, Joe, we have to leave it there, Joe. We're out of time. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Joe, it's that radio thing, Joe. You have to remember. They slap you on the hand when you go over time. Anyway, um, <laughs> Priscilla, thank you so much. Tell everybody again one more time where they can buy the book. At Sophia Institute Press. That would be lovely. And we we emphasize to our audience out there um, to to you go on all of our Catholic publishers' websites and look through their books and their authors. Priscilla Smith McCaffrey happens to be one of them on Sophia Institute Press. The book is Christmas Blossoms. Thank you, Priscilla, for being on the show. We want to thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, thirteen fifty on your AM dial, one hundred three point nine on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure. Uh, if you want to give some feedback, to uh, go on VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com, and download the app at the Veritas Catholic Network. And finally, support Joe and I, if you would, on social media, particularly on our website, FrontlineTV.com, FrontlineTV.com. That's where you can see all of our content. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. Joe and Joe, thank you so much.